All right, welcome back to Technology for Business Sake. And I, you guys know, I, I like talking about cloud. I like talking about new kind of stuff. And I like talking about something that has been called the subscription economy. Now, if you remember, maybe about a couple of months ago, I had a gentleman on by the name of Teen Zuo from a company of, called Zuora. And he is a guy and the company is kind of leading the charge when it comes to, to the subscription economy. Well, with me today is a gentleman that is a big-time thought leader in the CRM industry, and he just wrote an ebook called The Subscription Economy, How Subscriptions Improve Business. He is the founder and uh, partner at Beagle Research. His name is Dennis Pombriant. Dennis, thank you for joining me today. Hey, Brent. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. So before we jump into this, because I know you like talking about it and I like talking about it, and we're going to have a lot to talk about. <laughs> but before we start talking about the subscription economy, maybe you can give us a little bit of your personal background. Oh, sure. Um, well, let's see. I've been um, an industry analyst for about a dozen years. Um, yeah, I started uh, in Y2K over at Aberdeen Group in Boston, and I was there for four years. And during that time, I had just about every job in CRM including being research director and uh, vice president and running managing director of the practice. So uh, at, in, at the end of 2003, I, I left Aberdeen and started Beagle Research, uh, which is uh, my company. I'm uh, the founder and managing principal. I'm still here, uh, still <laughs> doing research and, and analysis and writing. And uh, going on, uh, well, it's over over eight years, going on almost nine years now uh, that I've been doing it. And it's been a lot of fun. I've uh, met a lot of nice people like you, Paul Greenberg, and lots of other people. And uh, we've, we've worked together and traded some great ideas. And we've, we've had a ringside seat <laughs> at uh, the evolution of this industry. It's been pretty good, hasn't it? It has been. And I, I have to say that you are also the guy that kind of called the whole software as a service movement. You knew it was going to be big before most of us did. So uh, had to put that out there, too. Uh, also, you're a Red Sox fan. I, I don't know what to do with that, but I thought I'd mention it anyway. <laughs> well, I don't know what to do with it these days, either. <laughs> oh, well, it, it'll, there'll be another year, right? 2013 is not that far away. <laughs> yeah, we're, I was just reading an article about uh, firing Bobby Valentine. Um, that's that's just what's happening in Boston. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about what's happening with the subscription economy, and maybe I should start by getting your definition of what it is. The subscription economy. Well, that's that's uh, that's a very good and interesting question. Uh, you know, we we I think all of us grew up with the notion of of buying things and owning them and and using them until they wore out or we sold them or traded them in or whatever uh cars for example in um in this day and age it's it's become a lot more feasible to to instead of buying something like a car uh or even even clothing uh to to rent it to subscribe to a company that wants to provide you a, a service on a daily, weekly, monthly, even an hourly basis um, to to enable you to use certain items uh, for a fee. And uh, depending on the industry you're in, uh, there are some significant advantages to that. So, for example, if you live in a city and you need access to a car once in a while, uh, you probably don't want to pay the high 
tax rate or, the, or find a place to park the thing. Uh, and so you might use uh, a service like Zipcar and subscribe to Zipcar. And for people that don't know about that, Zipcar is a really neat service that, uh, you, you know, you pay them, I think, $50 a year for membership. And then when you need a car, you, you can go access one at a, at, that's, you know, pre-positioned around a city, for example. Um, take it, drive it for a couple of hours, bring it back, and you get charged for a couple of hours of use of the car. And uh, so as you can see, that's the, the, the cost difference is, is pretty significant if you if you just want to be an occasional user of, of, of a car. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's sort of the genesis of subscriptions. And, of course, you and I know about subscriptions from um, SaaS and cloud computing and how, how many uh, software solutions these days are delivered um, as a service rather than um, you know, delivered on a, a CD or a DVD that you plug into your computer and download and you know, try to make it work and all, all the good things that go with it. So let but, me ask you real ahead. quick, uh, how has Zora kind of advanced this whole idea of the subscription economy? Um, well, let's see. In a couple of ways, I think uh, I think they've first of all um, identified a real sweet spot for them and a, a real uh, serious business pain for subscription companies. The uh, you, you might not believe this, but billing for, invoicing for, and collecting for subscriptions is is a big deal, and it's a very different kind of business process than generating invoices for products uh, for, for the simple reason that a subscription customer can at will uh, usually go to the vendor and say, uh, you know, I was buying six of these last month, but this month I want to buy 12. And um, all of a sudden the configuration of what the customer is buying has changed, and that has to be reflected in an accurate bill because if the bill is inaccurate, Either the customer is not going to pay it, or the company is going to lose money. And conventional ERP-based uh, billing and accounting systems aren't real good at uh, affording a company to do that on a scale of uh, hundreds of thousands or even thousands of customers at a time. So Zora's found that sweet spot for um, uh, supporting businesses with very dynamic. Uh, requirements for for their billing. So that's just one example. All right. So uh, when I think of the subscription economy, I think the poster child that I think of most is Amazon.com. Do, can you talk a little bit about? It? Well, d- first of all, do you agree with me? <laughs> but if you do, how how has Amazon been a poster child for something like this subscription economy? Um. Well, in some ways they they are. I mean, uh, you know, all the fundamentals are there. You you basically go to Amazon when you want to uh, to buy a book, for example. I mean, you know, back in the olden days, uh, I can remember being a member of something called Book of the Month Club, where you signed up for a subscription, and every month they sent you a book. Uh, it, hopefully, it was a book you wanted to read. Hopefully, <laughs> it was a book that was going to be a bestseller or or what have you, but you know, often that's not that wasn't the case. <laughs> and uh, so the difference between, say, Book of the Month Club and and Amazon is that um, if I didn't want the selection of the month that Amazon sent me, I'd have to turn around and send it back to them. With Amazon, uh, 
I only go to Amazon when I want something. I find what I want, and uh, these days I just download it to my Kindle reader. Uh, but you know, I've got stacks and stacks of books that have been delivered the old-fashioned way. But either either way, I only get what I want, and that's that's one of the keys of the subscription economy. You you only get what you want, and uh, you get it on your terms. Uh, for Amazon, with Amazon Prime, it even I think it takes it a, a step further because I know I pay my seventy five uh, seventy nine bucks every year, so I can get that free shipping, and I I know I spend more money because I have that <laughs> that membership, and I want to take advantage of it, and it seems like. Uh, being having some kind of membership that allows a company to stay connected on an ongoing basis with a customer, they tend to actually end up doing more business with them. It seems. Yeah, I don't have I don't have statistics on it, but I, I would say that you're probably right. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, customers. Uh, ideally, I mean, this this all goes into customer loyalty too, right? I mean, Amazon is the first place you think of going when you when you want to buy a book, and probably, you know, other things too. I mean, uh, last winter I I needed some replacement parts from for my uh, my grill, and I couldn't get them locally because there was snow on the ground, and the stores were trying to sell snowblowers. Um, but I was able to get exactly what I wanted uh, from Amazon. So. Um, you, you've got all kinds of things, uh, you know, that generate loyalty, that make uh, this vendor the, the, the first person or the first company that you, you think of going to. And uh, you know, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, whether or not you spend more money uh, per unit time uh, with somebody like Amazon because you're a member, uh, or you, you just spend the same amount, uh, your Amazon by by making you a member is taking a little of the the you know, variability out of the relationship. And that's always key for business, uh, sort of knowing what to expect from a customer. Bingo. So let's talk a little bit about the, the. There's these three words, and I want to break down each word and what it means in terms of the subscription economy. We have grow, flow, and know. What does grow mean in the context of the subscription economy? Well, uh, so if you think about the life cycle of of being a customer in a in a typical situation, uh, you might you might engage with a company to buy something, and then once you've bought it and paid for it, you're sort of on your own again. Maybe they remember who you are. Maybe they send you a Christmas card. Who knows? Uh, with the subscription economy, though, it's very important for the the vendor to uh, keep you in the fold and keep you happy because uh, you can leave at any time. <laughs> so, so, so the vendor might have sold you six of something or 12 of something, but that was only for a period of time, and, and you have to renew, or the, customer, the, the vendor has to renew you on a periodic basis, and, and so that means that the vendor has to make sure you're happy. And ideally... Uh, if you're happy, you're not just going to stick with the original purchase, but maybe you'll add other products or you'll you'll extend the the use of uh, the products that you bought. So, you know, if you bought, let's pretend you're a software company. If you bought, you know, six seats of of some software, uh, you know, f- for say uh, Salesforce automation, maybe you'll buy a couple of seats for marketing automation or, or, or customer service and support. Or maybe you just buy more Salesforce automation seats. Either way, um, 
the 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 vendor is is trying to use the relationship to make your make you happy and therefore grow the account and that's the grow part let's talk about flow <laughs> i love how they, they they have everything rhyming here i don't know if if uh, it was something coined by Zwar or not, but it's nice, easy concept. Concept. So let's talk about flow now. Yeah, it almost makes you think they were writing a song. <laughs> um, all right. So the idea of flow is is kind of interesting to me. Uh, if you look at again, uh, if you compare a legacy company that might uh, might be building things uh, or building products for 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 sale in a conventional channel. Um, uh, the whole company is is built up of of a number of stovepipes. You know, you got a stovepipe that makes sub assemblies, a stovepipe that integrates all those sub assemblies into a final product. You've got a stovepipe that sells, a, a stovepipe that just does marketing, another one that just does service and support, and um, you know, a product or a customer has to engage maybe with. Sales to buy the product or marketing, depending on what the product is. They have to engage with customer service and support uh, at the appropriate time. Um, and the, the, by the same token, the, the company needs to engage with the customer for things like invoicing and, and, and collections. So it's, it's all a very stovepiped thing, and, and, and you know, the company sort of does one thing after another, or maybe the company does. Each each silo does does its thing uh, uncoordinated with uh, the rest of the company and the rest of the way it's it's dealing with the customer. But in a subscription economy company or a subscription company, I think flow really relates to how uh, all the pieces on the vendor side need to add up to the relationship with the with the customer. When the customer says I want to change my configuration, that ripples back through the organization, through the through the accounting system and the billing system to the the, the product configuration. It may also ripple back to uh, the product designers. It may ripple back to uh, the marketing people in, in terms of uh, understanding uh, customer need or, or uh, you know what messages work with the customer, but all of it all of it works in unison to deliver um, the right product to the customer um, at the right price at the right time, etc. So I think that's that's kind of the idea of flow, and I don't know where. Uh, other people got the idea of flow, but I would just say that it 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 sort of matches up very nicely with the. I don't know if you remember a book from a few years ago called Flow. It was written by a psychologist at the University of Chicago, and I can never pronounce his name, but it's <laughs> something like Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. Wow, uh, I think he's Russian. Very bright guy. And his whole thing about flow from a personal psychology perspective was was that yeah, you are in a state of flow um, when all the aspects of your life are are uh, running well and and you're aware of it and you're healthy and hale and hearty and all all, all kinds of things like that. I'd, I'd recommend you take a look at at his book. Yeah, I'm I'm going to need you to spell that name because. <laughs> I don't think I can do that one, but <laughs> it starts with a C. <laughs> oh, okay. See, I would have been lost from the very start, but no, that's a, that's some good information. And, and 
we've gone grow, we've gone flow. And uh, no, I, I have a sense this is about knowing the customer, but why don't you fill us in how that affects the uh, company trying to build a subscription economy model? Well, you know, over on the ERP side, uh, they like to say that ERP is the system of record for the company. And, and it's certainly true. It, it, it's the system of record in that it's backward-looking and it has all the data about um, what you bought, uh, when you were invoiced, whether you paid, um, what your address is, things like that, maybe some of your demographic information. Um, <clears throat> it, the same thing is true in the subscription company, except that the subscription company, by its nature, uh, captures information about the future as well. And that's really exciting. As you know, um, many, many subscription companies today have gotten away from uh, doing a monthly invoice, but they, uh, you know, they still sell their product on a monthly basis, but, or rather they sell their service. Uh, but to get your best price, you might sign up for a one-year, two-year, three-year contract. And depending on the, the nature of the relationship, you may pay for one year in advance or, or two years or three years. So, so what happens to that money? Well, the subscription company might take in 12 months' worth of subscription fees, but they actually have to put it in an account and only recognize one-twelfth of it every time uh, they start a new month. So in subscription terms, the the one-twelfth that they recognize is is called recurring revenue. And you can can look at your your database of customers and their agreements with you and and calculate uh, both your monthly recurring revenue and your annual recurring revenue. there's the the other eleven twelfths that you aren't recognizing is called uh, deferred revenue, and deferred revenue comes in a couple of flavors. There's there's the deferred revenue that you've collected, and um, you know very logically there's the uncollected or unbilled deferred revenue. Say if you're in year one of a three year agreement, you haven't collected years two or three, and um, all of that information is available to you. So as a, as a manager, you can go into your, your ERP system. And if, if you're a subscription company with subscription uh, accounting, you can go into your system and, and say, well, you know, how much money is there in my future that's already pledged? How much money is there in the future that uh, is pledged but not collected? Um, how, many, how many of my customers are churning? Uh, how many of, how many renewals are up this month and next month and the month after that? Because this is a flow situation, so everybody's everybody's doing their own thing every month. Or they're not synchronized. Um, and with that kind of information, you can know a heck of a lot about how, the health of your business and how it's running. And in many regards, you can you can know a lot more than you can about a conventional um, product product or services company where where you just, you know, make things or sell time and and bill for it. And that's the no part. Well, there's a lot to know about the subscription economy. And uh, Dennis Pomeran has written a book about it, an e-book. Dennis, before we tell folks where they can get the e-book, I got to ask you, uh, where exactly are we today? How many companies are playing in the subscription economy? And 
What is it going to take to get more companies to actually buy into this? Well, you know, that's a great question. I don't, I don't have exact data, but I can tell you just about every company out there uh, has some form of representation of um, some kind of subscription operating in-house. The real question is, uh, uh, you know, what's the subscription doing, and uh, how long is it going to take to run down uh, the legacy business and, and convert everything to pure subscriptions? And I think the answer to that is, uh, I don't think we'll ever see it go 100%. Um, one of the things I like to tell people is it's been a long time since we've, we've operated mainframes in any serious way, but there's still, uh, I think, five or 6,000 of them out there running mission-critical applications. So it takes a while to change a paradigm like that. Where can people learn more and, uh, and actually get a chance to, to check out the ebook? Uh, well, uh, your your favorite and my favorite uh, pu- uh, yeah, publisher and, and bookstore bookseller, Amazon.com has it. <laughs> yep. Uh, and uh, thank you for that. And uh, uh, I, I write a blog uh, that can be accessed at uh, uh, through my website uh, BeagleResearch.com. There's a tab there for uh, the Beagle blog. I write about uh, subscription economy as well as uh, a few other topics that uh, you and I know about and uh, from time to time. So uh, that'd be another great place to go. And I, I got to ask, uh, because Dreamforce is right around the corner, uh, of course, folks who, who don't know, that's Salesforce's big annual event. And this year, I think they're expecting about 50,000 people there or something like that. The, what are you looking out for? What are you on the lookout for when it comes to Dreamforce? Honestly, I'm looking for sleep. I, I, <laughs> I, every minute of my time on the ground there, beginning on on Monday, uh, is is booked. And, and what's what's odd is is that my time starting Monday is booked, and Dreamforce starts on Wednesday. So <laughs> think about that. Yeah, you can't even uh, get it, get any sleep ahead of the event. <laughs> Uh, exactly. Well, I think I think there'll be some interesting uh, uh, announcements. I think uh, you know there's so many product lines that Salesforce has. You've got to expect uh, announcements in just about everything. Uh, Mark Benioff last week in a in a TechCrunch press conference was talking about uh, the, the new marketing cloud. He was talking about a a service that uh, uh, will compete with Dropbox for Salesforce customers. And he was talking about a few other things too, like. Uh, uh, the integration of, of uh, uh, Workday. And so it should be a very lively and inter- interesting uh, show. And you'll be awake for all of it, right? <laughs> I, w- I will be awake for all of it. You betcha. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you because I'll be out there too. And actually, we're we're on a panel together. Right? How can we... How can we not mention that? Isn't it? Oh, our- <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. We are on a panel together. I am looking forward to seeing you out there, and uh, let's let's try to get one of those free beers at one of those receptions. Yeah, I think we'll both be awake for the panel at least, right? Oh, you can count on it. <laughs> All right, Dennis. Well, I'm going to let you uh, get back into the uh, Boston Red Sox mania. Oh, wait. No, I guess that's better luck next year. 
New England Patriots. Oh, gosh, the New England. There's always some Boston sport uh, to, to talk about. But anyway, been a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, we'll, we'll have you back again. This is great. We, ne- we have to keep updated on what's going on with the subscription economy. So we'll have you back. But in the meantime, I've got to step away, take a break. And on the other side of the break, I'm sure I'm going to be talking to somebody else that's really cool. You're listening to Technology for Business Sake. See you on the other side. <laughs> 